0: Hello everyone, this is Lisa Fields, the founder and president of the ju 3 Project, and I just want to take this time to personally thank all of our monthly supporters. We could not do what we do without giving from people like you. I greatly, greatly appreciate it. And if you're not a monthly supporter and you would like to become one, you can go to ju 3 projectorg and hit the donate tab and sign up. We are grateful for you and we hope you enjoy today's new episode. God bless. Hello, welcome to the Jew3 Project podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Fields. I'm the founder of the Jew3 Project. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Jew3 Project Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Lisa Fields, the founder of the Jew3 Project. And today I'm joined by another special guest, Chantel Anderson. Welcome, Chantel.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Lisa. I'm super excited to be here.
0: I'm super excited to have you. Uh, Before we get started, I just want to let our audience know this episode is sponsored by Athletes in Action. Um, So thank you to our sponsors um, and partners for this episode. Um, Chantel, before we get started, just tell the audience a little bit about yourself.
1: Yeah, so uh, super excited to be here. My name is Chantel Anderson. Um, I am excited that this episode is sponsored by Athletes in Action, which totally makes sense because uh, I spent the majority of my life up until this point playing basketball. Um, I went to Vanderbilt University and played in the WNBA for six years. Um, Now I am uh, part-time in the ministry and I also uh, run my own speaking and consulting business, teaching confidence and leadership to um, corporations as part of their diversity and inclusion programming. Um, I also recently started a uh, platform called Confidently His, which helps women build their confidence and identity in God through the scriptures. So that's a little bit about me. And uh, yeah, this is this is going to be an awesome conversation.
0: Well, thank you so much. Um, I'm so excited to uh, to have you on again. We tried before.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah, God, some,
0: some tech issues, but we finally, <laughs> finally got it set. You have a new book out, God, what the heck? But before we get to to the book, I want to talk a little bit about your journey to faith. Tell mm-hmm. our audience what that journey was like and what are the challenges you you had to deal with along the way.
1: Yeah, man. You know, you said a, a journey to faith, and when when I think of my journey to faith, it's really a journey back to to wholeness, mm-hmm. um, and and so that's kind of how I look at my my path, my testimony, if you will. Uh, you know, I started out uh, in a two parent household. My my parents were college sweetheart and I was living in Southern California in a cold sack with my sisters. <laughs> and um, you know, life was life was great. And uh, you know, I I was one person. <laughs> I didn't think about being anybody else but me. You know? Um then life happened and things started to started to change. My mom was diagnosed with a mental illness that was pretty serious. And um, that was the first time that I really realized like, wow, there are things going on in my house that I, I can't really share readily with other people outside the house. Um, then my, my parents ended up getting a divorce and me and my sisters went with my mom um, because my dad had a job that was, he was on call all the time, he was in the medical field and my mom had family that was, had said they were gonna help her and all that stuff. So we went with my mom and it just started this cycle of abuse and neglect not my mom's fault at all she just wasn't in a place mentally to take care of three young kids and um you know from then on that was that kind of perpetuated the cycle that there was things going on that i couldn't share with the outside world and um you know continuing on i i moved with my mom i uh moved with my dad and after three years of living in that abuse and things like that. But from that point on, I became two people. It was like, okay, I'm one person at home, one person at school, and that's just how it is. Uh, Then I started playing sports, and I, I loved playing sports. I didn't fall in love with basketball right away, but eventually I did, and I started becoming really good at basketball. You know, I became the best player on the West Coast. I was getting hundreds of emails or hundreds of letters every single day um, from colleges wanting me to come and play for their program, you know, and it was a, it was amazing. I, I loved every minute of it as far as on that side, but on the other side, I, I felt worthless, you know. I felt like Um, I wasn't worth any of the attention. I felt like a fake. Um, I started to try to control everything in my life as far as, you know, I dove really deep into eating disorders. Um, I started self-harming myself in ways I would burn myself with lighters. I would, um, get drunk on the weekends, you know, in high school and all, all of these things that, um, You know, I was depressed at home. And so I became really, really two people because from this point I was on the spot, I was in the spotlight as Chantel Anderson quote air quotes, right? And then uh on the in the in private, I was sad and and doing all of these horrible things to myself. And you know, that continued on to Vanderbilt. Uh I two weeks before going to college, I was sexually assaulted. And that just further divided. You know, I I didn't tell anyone. Um, and I went on to Vanderbilt and I became a star, like I wanted to, but I was still like this broken person in private. And for the longest time, I just wanted to be one person again. I wanted the person I was in front of people to be able to be the person I could show, or I was in private, you know, who I showed people. I wanted to be in private, and I didn't know how to do that. Um, I got drafted second overall in the WNBA, but that continued. That didn't help. That didn't make me enough. And, you know, my my life started to spiral out of control. And at that point, I was just like, okay what is what is happening you know what is what is going on i had everything that i wanted i had everything that i had ever wanted you know playing my dream my dream career um high profile relationships i was making six figures out of college i was i was doing all of these things and i was miserable and depressed and still self-harming and still you know all of these things and so I started getting injured and I think with athletes a lot of times God gets our attention through injuries because that's the only thing that will work. (laughs) And um, from that point on, I realized in a hospital bed in Turkey, I was like, okay, I'm not in control. Mm -hmm. I'm not in control. I've done everything that I know to do right and I'm not in control. And if I'm not in control, then I need to follow the one who is. And from that moment, that moment was the moment where I decided to start trying to live life God's way. I didn't know what that meant at the time. (laughs) And I didn't even believe the Bible at the time. But from then on, I started reading it. And I always say, you know, I started reading the book and accidentally fell in love with the author. It was just, you know, little by little, as I continued to read the Bible, um, God changed my heart. And I started to learn what it looked like to, um, to follow him and to actually live for him. Um, then I met some women who helped me to study out the Bible further, um, and taught me what it meant to be a disciple and what it meant to truly follow Jesus and become new, you know, and, um. So that was a process, but on September 17th, 2013, I was baptized and you know, from then on, it's just been full stream ahead. I just, you know, God's amazing. Since that time I've had the opportunity to to plant different ministries. I helped start a ministry in Houston and then I moved to Miami to plant a new church, moved to LA to uh, plant a ministry, for uh, arts, media, and sports people, and then just recently moved to San Diego to help plant a new ministry here. I lead the singles ministry here and the um, online ministry as well, and a house church here in San Diego. So that is that has been amazing. And just, you know, I think the biggest thing that I'm grateful for in this walk is God has really healed me and I am able to be one person, you know, I'm able to be the person I am in private, can be the same person I am in public, and that I can show people, and it is, it's the biggest joy, you know, it is the biggest, it's the thing that I'm most thankful for, because I hated being, I hated having to be two people, you know, so, Mm. um, that's my story in a nutshell.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that is so powerful. Uh and I'm I'm glad you shared uh it with us. Um we were talking on the last episode we did with uh, two uh people that work with athletes in action about mm-hmm. like athletes and how um you all have access to so much. Ooh. And some people wish they had access to that same thing because they think if they have access to all the men and the women they want, all the money they want they'll have freedom, but we talked yep. about last episode on how that having that much access often leads to more bondage.
1: And people don't understand <laughs> that.
0: <laughs> would you share a little, a little bit about that as, from your perspective as an athlete?
1: Oh, abs- absolutely, you know, um, I did think that having access and getting everything I want would make me happy. And, you know, after after my sexual assault, I went to Vanderbilt and because I was such a high profile athlete on campus because you know I had so many eyes on me it opened the door for me to be put in front of like a diff- a lot of different men and you know I I had I had access to basically I'm not going to say anybody I wanted but you know whoever and I did not handle it well you know from that assault I I aimed to control and manipulate men For that one time that I wasn't able to control that one man. And I got into, you know, just a lot of trouble in that way. I hurt a lot of people and I hurt myself even Um, more importantly, I hurt God. And so then when you know through basketball and through being an athlete i also had access to women and so that started a journey where i actually dated women both men and women um for 10 years for for almost 10 years um it all came from from having you know I just had access to whatever I wanted and so that led to further bondage in in that way you know you get to go to these parties and it's glamorous and all that stuff and so on one hand your life is filled with all of this light and sparkly and all of these things and, and when your life is so light so filled with light you don't realize that the light is fake And a lot of times when you don't realize that the light is fake, you're not going to search out the true light of Christ. And I think that's what happened. I couldn't see the darkness, but I felt the darkness inside. And that was the problem. I was like, what is going on? Like, my life is amazing. I don't understand why I feel this way inside. And to this day, one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible is John 1, 5. Um, It was one of the first, when I started reading the Bible again, I started in the book of John, um, which I advise everyone to do and, you know, uh, I started reading it in one of the first scriptures I read, obviously, John 1, 4 and 5, and it says, you know, Jesus is the light. And then in uh, Jesus is the light of all mankind in verse 4, but then in verse 5, it says, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And, you know, I have that tattooed on my on my forearms. So I always remember it, you know, and, and that's what really brought me to Christ was, I was like, okay, all the light is out here, right? It's it's outside, but it's really dark inside, and if Jesus is the light, and the light shines in the darkness, then the darkness has not overcome it. I need to find a way to get this guy who is who is more powerful than the dark. I need to find a way to get him inside me because that's where the darkness is. Mm-hmm. And so that you know that just propelled me to learn more and more about the guy that was more powerful than the dark. You know, but. Uh, I think that if my life around me hadn't been so sparkly, I may have realized it a little earlier.
0: Mm, That's powerful. Thank you for sharing that. You have a book out, God, What the Heck? Um, (laughs) And that title is striking in itself. Uh, (laughs) What kind of was behind the, the motivation for you writing that book?
1: Yeah. Uh, it's so funny, that title. Thank you for for saying that. Somebody hit me the other day on Facebook. i was like, that title is offensive because it's disrespectful to God. And I was like, oh. <laughs> I said, respectfully speaking, um, you ain't my audience. No, uh, but I think 2020, you know, I think mm-hmm. in 2020, a lot of us were looking around like, What is going on? You Mm -hmm. know, I have been an an entrepreneur for four years. um, Mm -hmm. But when the pandemic hit, it hit my business really hard. And I was Mm -hmm. forced to stay inside. I couldn't go pitch. I couldn't go network. I couldn't go do anything like that. And so I'm looking around like, okay, like, what am I doing? Mm -hmm. Um, Then in February of 2020, my dad got sick. He Mm -hmm. got uh, diagnosed with early um, or quick onset dementia.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: and that was just i've always been a daddy's girl that is that's mm-hmm. my dude i've always been daddy's girl and so that was shocking and then mm-hmm. you know it was quick onset dementia so it progressed very quickly and by mm-hmm. uh, april 18th he passed away in 2020 mm-hmm. and in my walk with god i had never had to confront that level of grief, that level of difficulty, um, Mm -hmm. that level of do I believe what I believe? Because my dad passed away um, in what I believe as not a Christian, not Mm -hmm. following God. And so that was really hard because it's like, okay, do I believe what I believe? Like, am I going to have the the faith that I preach about? And yeah, I was literally looking around like, God, what the heck? And I had to get my, my relationship with God got real, real, real quick. (laughs) It was like, bro, what is going on? And, you know, I just had to fight for my faith in a way that I hadn't had to fight for it before, since being a Christian. And So God, what the heck is kind of my notes to the journey. I was like, we don't talk about these things enough in the church, things like um, grief and shame and believing God's plan when it doesn't make sense and coping and restoration and hope in God, even though it doesn't make sense at that moment. And all of these things, like we don't put them in the context of real life enough. Mm. And so I wanted to write a book from real life, from a real life perspective. And you see the title, God, what the heck? The subtitle is A hundred Devotionals for When Life Sucks. And so I wanted to like, I wanted it to be real. Like we're gonna get real about how hard this journey can be sometimes, but we're gonna come out clinging to God on the other side and just figuring out how to live this life in a very real way through the scriptures. So that was my motivation for it. And writing this book was my was my therapy. It was my gift to my dad. It was my, my gift to God. It was my way to stay faithful and work out my salvation with fear and trembling and, and help other people uh, do the same. You know, I said, if I have to feel this bad, um, I'm not going to waste the pain. Something good is going to come from it and and that was this book.
0: <laughs> oh, wow. That's powerful. What what was the hardest part of grief for you or what's been the hardest part cuz I know grief is a continual process and it sometimes seems like a roller coaster.
1: Mhm. Yeah, people I think the hardest part for me uh number 1 I thought grief came in stages like and if, if it comes in stages and you can kind of graduate, like, okay, you're like, okay, I'm here. And then I'm here. And then I'm here. And there's a, a consistent like moving forward. But gr- grief is more like waves. Like you're you're completely fine one moment. And then it, a wave will wash over you. And you're like, oh my gosh, the world's going to end. So I think for me, my perspective of grief. And then also, you know, in going through this, I realized that I didn't have a strong enough conviction that God would meet my emotional needs Mm -hmm. because I had never been in a place where it it, it was such a dire need for God to meet my emotional needs. And so I really had to learn how to go to God and how to just be silent and how to learn, lean on him and how to run to him and you know, sit in the cave with him, be Elijah (laughs) after he just, you know, after Jezebel threatened him, I I had to learn how to be that person and to not beat myself up for being human, to really walk in the grace of God and know that God loves my dad more than I do. And he was crying with me. And so it was just a complete shift of mind and shift of heart in how I saw God and how I saw my relationship with God and, and me in his sight as well.
0: That's so powerful. I love that you share that he's in there with us um, in the grief with us, because I, mm-hmm. I'm often reminded of the passage in Corinthians where he says he comforts us. And yes. then with the comfort that he gives is for us to comfort others. And it mm-hmm. seems like from that process, you took the comfort that God gave and now you're comforting others through the book, God, what the heck. But in mm-hmm. addition, I love how you mentioned like he he sees the tears because one of my favorite Psalms is that he bottles our tears. And the fact that, you know, there's so many tears that I forgot I cried, but God didn't mm-hmm. forget. Mm-hmm. And it is just so powerful that he cares enough about us to even take note of every tear we shed.
1: Come on, Lisa. He,
0: we um that seep in our pillow don't seep through uh the how he bottles our tears and so that mm-hmm. is always comforting to know that he cares and it's also comforting and i mm-hmm. think helpful when people are thinking about apologetics and they think about like reason and sometimes we think you know we can reason our way to belief which to a certain degree we can but mm-hmm. our emotions need to be intertwined with that, and so mm-hmm. sometimes we have to let ourselves connect with God on an emotional level, not just a reason level. If we're used to being logical thinkers per se, um, mm-hmm. so I, I love that you shared that.
1: Mm, I love I love everything you just shared, and I you know that message of God bottles our tears is so key to remember and a, a needed reminder you know for me personally at this moment and so i thank you for saying that and and also you know i can be very a very logical thinker as well you know the bible talks about uh worshiping god in both spirit and truth mm-hmm. and you know i can focus on the truth part a lot like okay this is what the bible says so i'm going to do it period <laughs> like you know and but there is that point where we do have to connect with god on a heart level And like you said just now, engage our emotions and really allow him to come into the heart space and really us go to him with our full emotions and understanding that it's not always gonna be pretty, it's gonna be messy, it's gonna, you know, it's not neat and tidy and all in a bow like, like the truth can be sometimes. It's like, nah, your emotions are messy and that is okay. You know, it's okay to go to God. And just cry your tears and not dry them before you're done crying them, you know? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so true, so true. Um, when you think about the book, God, What the Heck, what are maybe two of the of the devotionals that you shared that kind of just stand out to you the most?
1: Ooh, um, man, I think, you know, Coping was a big thing for me (laughs) that I had to, so in the world, I hope with, um, you know, I would cope with alcohol, I would cope with um, weed, I would cope with sex, I would cope with people just in general, partying, all of these things, right? And so when you become a Christian, you don't lose the desire to cope you just need to cope with Jesus, you know, like coping isn't always bad. It just depends on what you cope with. And so for me, there's a chapter in the book called cope, cope with Jesus, coping with Jesus. And uh, for me, it was very challenging during this time to, um, to choose not to go back to the things that I went to before. Um mm-hmm. thankfully I I did not, you know, I didn't I didn't get drunk during this time. I didn't, you know, end up in somebody bed during this time. I didn't do any of that. But that was a, a specific decision. And so mm-hmm. I had to realize that, you know, writing that chapter coping with Jesus was really healing for me. Um because it was reinforcing the convictions that I already had in that. And then there's another chapter, The um, there's a chapter on hope. Mm-hmm. And that was probably, that one and the chapter on protection were the two hardest ones to write for me because I didn't feel protected by God during that mm-hmm. time and I didn't feel hopeful in God during that time. And so I literally had to fight for those convictions. Um, and so what I realized in writing the chapter on hope, and the intro to the chapter on hope is really the thing that stands out, is because I share an example of when, after I had torn my Achilles when I was in Turkey, I, I went home and I, I got high and then I got drunk. This is before I was a Christian, obviously, but I, <laughs> I went home, I got high, I got drunk and I was, um, at one point I held a gun to my head and wanted to pull the trigger. Mm. And it was the lowest moment of my entire life at that point. And I shared in the book, I, I detailed that moment in the book. And then I shared, you know, during that time, I said, basketball saved me, but basketball didn't save me. My hope being in basketball is what to my rock bottom when it was taken away, you know. So, that mind shift, that complete mind shift that I had to do, and realizing, oh, okay, so when my hope is in anything else, it can be taken away. And that's what leads to those rock bottom moments. That's what leads to those, you know, those really, really difficult times. But when my hope is in God, He can never be taken away. His word can never be taken away. His promises can never be taken away. And so I need to restore my hope in God. And what I realized through the grief process was my hope had been in my version of happily ever after instead of God's version of happily ever after in heaven and whatever he chooses to give me to as a precursor for that on earth. So I don't know if that answered your question. I feel like I kind of rambled there, <laughs> but it was, it was definitely a journey. And there was a lot of those moments in along the way where I was just like mind blown. And then the book is like me sharing all of those lessons in little, in bite-sized devotionals. Mm-hmm. So
0: yeah, that's, that's amazing. I think it's extremely helpful. And I love that you talked about coping and Ooh. drugs, alcohol, sex being used as a coping mechanism for hurt. Because I think because people are such in a rhythm mm-hmm. where they're so accustomed to drinking, so accustomed to smoking, so accustomed to having sex, that they don't even realize that they're coping because of deep pain. And so the activity is not coming from a place of, Health is coming from a place of hurt, mm. and so when you understand that you're coping because you're hurt, it helps you to to manage life better and to make better decisions. So I love that you said that you had to change how you cope, because mm-hmm. I don't think people even realize that they're coping.
1: Oof, I, I know I didn't when I was mm-hmm. before God. I didn't realize I was coping a, a lot. Um, sometimes I did, but. You know, a lot of times I didn't. And so I, I think that's key. So thank you for saying that. Now yeah. I am a lot more conscious of it. And when I go to social media and I'm scrolling for an extended amount of time, I'm like, Chantel, you're numbing right now. Stop it. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're right. <laughs> what do I need to pray about?
0: <laughs> and I also love the the portion of hope. Like, I think we're so in a, in a space where people have lost hope. And they're cynical of everything yeah. and they feel like everything has failed them yeah. that they've put their hope in, or they were taught to put their hope in. And so to reorient our hope that, Hey, you put your hope in different things. You put your hope in family, you put your hope in people, you put your hope in career, you put your hope in whatever you other things you had your hope in. Yeah. When well, you put your hope in God, something that's unchangeable. Ooh. Um It, it it uh gives you that steadfastness you need to cope with the the troubles in life. So um Absolutely. that's amazing. I'm I'm hoping that people get your book and that they are encouraged by it and just your story in general is just powerful and I think it it speaks to um so so many people across the board, like, you know, you don't have to have the same story to to resonate with what you're saying. You don't have to have all the access that you had to resonate with what you're saying. But what you're saying is full of hope and mm. full of transformation. And it just shows how much light um, can shine in darkness. Uh, so thank you so much for sharing that with us. Uh, I'm honored that you would you would take the time to do so. What other things would you want? our audience, before we leave, to know about your book that we haven't already discussed?
1: Um, You know, I, first of all, thank you so much, because sometimes I look in the mirror and I'm like, bruh, who are you? Because I could like I would never if you would have told me 10 years ago that I would be p- preaching about God on a national plan, I'd be like, you got to be kidding me. There's no way, (laughs) right? So I appreciate those words so much. And God is truly uh, able to change anybody. Um, And I'm a living example of that. So thank you. I think about my book, uh, what I would, what I want people to know, I always say, this is the book you read when you read it before you leave God. So this book should be At the back door of every church, (laughs) because Mm -hmm. it's gonna help you fight through the reasons why you're thinking about walking away from God and giving up. But if you have walked away from God, it should also be outside the front door, (laughs) you know, of, of every church or at the, you know, of our walk with faith, because, you know, when you are considering coming back to God, This is going to help with that conversation of, you know, why should I why should I give God another chance? How do I reconcile the reasons that I have not been walking with God? How do I, um, you know, how do I deal with those so that I can believe him again so that I can. get back to following him and really wanting to live with him. you know And you know you don't have to have left the church. I didn't leave God. I didn't leave the church, I didn't leave anything, but I was surely fighting for my faith.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: so I would just say it's I wrote it for anyone who's fighting for their faith, who who wants to fight in a very real way. Uh, the title would imply, as the title would imply, the language I use is very real. It's not, I don't sugarcoat things. You know, there's a there's a devotional where I'm like, we talk about shame and I talk about getting an STD in college, you know? And I'm like, bet you didn't think to hear that. Bet you didn't think you were going to hear that in a devotional, you know, but it's just real. Like, let's talk about some real stuff and let's talk about how to get through it with God, you know? So I think that's just what I would want to tell people.
0: <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's, that's powerful, I think. Will be extremely helpful to our audience where can people get the book
1: yeah so you can get the book at god what the uh there are there's a book excerpt there are um videos on you know why i made the book and the process that i went through to to writing it so godwhattheheck.com. God, what the heck.com. um my overall website is confidentlyhis.com. And there is um, a link to to get the book as well. And then if you're on Amazon, you can go on Amazon and get it also.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Uh, What is your social media handles? I, I forgot to ask you that.
1: Oh, that's okay. Um, so uh, on Instagram, I'm always on Instagram, so that's my primary platform. It's uh, Miss Chantel, uh, M I S S C H A N T E L L E. So at Miss Chantel on Instagram, um, at Miss Chantel on Twitter as well, but I'm more on Instagram. And then the the website is confidentlyhis.com.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Chantel. Uh... It has been a blessing and a joy to have you. Um, thank you all for watching another episode of the Jude 3 Project podcast. Uh, you remember, you could get our book through Eyes of Color, uh, take it with us, read it with a small group, uh, do use it with a small group, <laughs> six week study guide, or you could get it and go through it by yourself. I promise it will be a blessing to you. We have online courses and all of that. Um, can be taken at ju 3 projectorg You can become a monthly partner um, to help support the mission and the vision of Ju 3 by going to ju 3 projectorg backslash donate. And remember here at the Ju 3 Project, we're helping you to know what you believe and why you believe it. Until next time, grace and peace and God bless. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Jew 3 Project podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can tune in to all our past episodes at www.jew3project.com. You can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher.